the goal was if I, if I ask people to promote something and I say that it's going to be worth it, that I have to absolutely deliver on that so that next year or two years from now, if I say, hey, we promote my next book, they'll do it. Welcome to the game where we talk about how to get more customers, how to make more per customer and how to keep them longer and the many failures and lessons we have learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. I, th- I hear that and I'm also like, if I reflect back, if we lost every football game, yeah, I think winning matters also. You've got to have some wins. You know what I mean? you got to have, if I'd have lost every game for four years, I'd probably been like, this is not fun. Sure, I'm becoming a better athlete and I'm competing against great people, but just always losing I wonder would be that. a challenge. Absolutely. Because you'd be like, this is not fun. It's fun to win. It's not fun to lose consistently. Yeah. I've, I you really, learn more yeah, in your losses probably. Totally. You learn more from the bigger breakdowns and the challenges you yeah. face than always winning. Yeah. The difficulties, the challenges develop us. Having easy wins doesn't make us stronger and better. But I think having all losses yeah. may just say that, okay, maybe this is the wrong thing you're in. You should be in something else. Yeah. Use this energy and effort and, and attitude towards a different thing, a different purpose, a different sport, a different mission, a different art after a period of time. I don't yeah. know. So it's so much losing you because yeah, I want I I I mean I could jam because I think the confidence yeah. I think the confidence comes in the effort and the journey, but it also you've got to back it with some external results. I yeah. think yeah, or or some type of credibility somewhere. Yeah. yeah, it depends if so. The credibility is if you're trying to be an expert and espouse and give advice, mm-hmm. but the credibility to yourself. If you have no external results, I still th- like if I you were broke today. Yeah. Yeah, no one would listen to me. That's okay. But how would you feel about you? After 10 years. Totally. 15 years of busting it Dude, I did it for five years. I get it. Okay, but 10 years though. (laughs) 50 years, right? Right. I think, but that's where I'm saying like, what has changed about me that has made me better, stronger, faster is because I, I genuinely believe that the more I can divorce that win, even when you say like, you know, you gotta win sometimes. It's like even that small statement still makes it king. Yeah, easy for you to say with a couple all hundred wins, million. And, all the and, wins. Yeah, easy for yeah. you to say at this stage, I know. like you said to others. But right? I think that the reason that I'm going to go from 100 to a billion and 10 billion and beyond is because I do genuinely, like I am working harder now than I work to get here. And it's because I've learned a better way to work. And so this is me sharing that better way to work. Now, to be fair, maybe I have certain skills that if I don't work as hard, I can still win. But I would still know. And so I think that if you can, like, if the whole point of anyone who's listening to this is that you can open up another level of effort, I think that is the next level of effort. Because I, if I had thought the way I think about business now and work now, I would have been here faster. And that's me catering to the audience who wants to win. But I'm saying I would have become who I am faster. And I think that as a result, I would have evidence that would support that for every for the court of public opinion, but for the court of Alex, it's it, it just it's I I know what it's like to for me to give it my all, and it's the absolute proudest I am of myself. And there's nothing anyone can do to take that from me, and that's when I feel bulletproof. And there's not many times I can do that. And so when I have realized how much work it takes to do something well to gain the approval of my 85 year old self, I also realized hand in hand that there's only a few amount of things that I can do because I have to be dramatically more focused because the amount of work it takes to do something well is so much greater than I used to think that I can't do 20 things if I'm going to do it well. 
And so it goes back to like one of my favorite sayings, which is if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And the thing is, is that most people focus on the back half, but I think it's focusing on the first, like most things aren't worth doing. If it is worth doing, then it is worth doing yeah. well. Cut out the things that aren't worth doing. Right. So that you have all of the energy to actually give your all to something. And I would say this is that most things aren't that hard if you really try. It's that most people don't know how to try hard. They just don't have, they don't have the skill to try hard. And so the, the number, I mean, you probably know the stat from the podcast world, right? Which is, uh, it's 90% of people only upload one podcast of the remaining 10%, 90% of them don't make it past 20 uploads. So to be in the top 1% of podcasters, you have to upload 20 podcasts. <laughs> right. It still may not be successful. Yeah. You still don't get downloads, but you're doing a lot better than the other 90%, 99%. The price for excellence has never been so cheap. Yeah. It's showing up consistently. Everyone is so soft now that to win, you just have to not be made of glass and be willing to have someone tell you, I don't approve of your life. And you say, that's okay. Why do you think so many people are soft in our society today? Uh, well, I think we've put a lot of guardrails up that prevent people from getting hurt. And I think that ends up resulting in people who don't know what getting hurt feels like. And they feel like it's death, but it's not death. You know, I think that's just, I mean, at, at its absolute core, no one knows how to have hurt feelings. And I think people think their feelings matter a lot more now than they used to. Yeah. I don't think they matter that much. Why don't you, why don't you think people's feelings matter that much? Why should their feelings matter? Why should my feelings matter? Like if I, if I hurt someone and I say, what well, makes me feel good? And why does that matter? You hurt somebody. So it's just looking at the actions. And I, that's, I mean, to be fair, I'm very extreme in that manner, but I think that if we can, for me, the more I can ignore my feelings and simply do the things that are required, the more I tend to see the results that I want. And one of my favorite internal sayings, like the things that you repeat yourself, I'm, I'm sure everybody has like a couple things that like you say to you. Um, whenever I have something that I'm like, God, I want it like the, the next rewrite of the book or, hey man, we got to reshoot that whole thing because the mic was off or, you know, the, the worst. worst. Yeah, yeah. The sure worst, man. Is um, I have this, I have this refrain that's been trained faster and faster, which is I will do what is required. Mm. It's not what I want. It's not what I feel like. It's I will do what is required. It's not enjoyable. I will do what is required. Yeah. And that's it. And so like, there's not, there's not a question. There's not a, if it's just, I will do what is required. And that has helped me a ton. Yeah. You try to learn from the, the pain or the challenge that occurred. So it doesn't happen again, but you got to do what's required. I saw this, um, clip recently of this podcast called the all in podcast, which I saw the, I see these clips a lot online. I want to start actually listening to this whole show, but I think they go too long. Um, but they have a lot of great insights. Yeah. It's like these four, yeah. like venture capitalists mm -hmm. and they're all billionaires yeah. and they all like are puppet masters in their yeah. own world right and one of the clips was of a guy i can't remember his name but one of the guys who said he was spending a lot of time in italy over the last month or a couple of months and he was saying you know i really like spending time over here mm -hmm. because my friends in italy know how to relax they know how to have great conversations they know how to talk about life and art and yeah magic and wonder and music and not just focus on more money because this guy's a billionaire multi-billionaire yeah. 
And he was like, there's more to life than just making lots of more money when you already have a lot of money. What do you think about a, a point like that or a conversation like that where it's like, you know, live in Europe and yeah, take three months and relax and travel? And I think there's an overarching assumption, which is that life should be a certain way. And I think that I would, I would reject that notion. And so it's like, we should, because implied in that statement, I think is we should be more like them. And whenever I see a should, I kind of don't really accept any should frames. It's like, why, why should we? Because you prefer that, which is fine. You could say, I prefer to live the same, in which case go live that way. But to then say, everyone should live that way. Or, you know, then now you're casting a pre your personal preference on everyone else. And I reject that wholeheartedly. So if you, if you want to, if you want to play video games all day and be the absolute best in the world at it, and you are the best in the world at it, and you get Twitch sponsorships and you have all that stuff and you learn to eat because you're so good at it and you're so obsessed with it, who am I to stop you from doing that? You're going to die and I'm going to die. And at the end of your life, would you rather just go, you know, be a foreman at a factory? That's not a disrespectful thing. I'm saying more so that if you love doing what you were doing, choose to not do what you love because you now are legitimate in the eyes of people who you don't care about. Like if there was one rule for me is do you. Do you. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, yeah. This book launch just happened. And I know, yeah. you, I know you did a vlog on this recently, which I yeah. want to dive in deeper. But can you give big context yeah. why this book, why the launch style that you did, yeah. how many people showed up, how many people bought, yeah. and upsells everything, and uh, yeah. how did you get that result to happen? Yeah. Not that we focus on results here, but uh, the efforts. How did you get it all to, yeah. to come to fruition? So my first book, $100 million Offers, uh, was a book that answered one question, which is, what do I sell? And so now that has 17,000 five stars. And, you know, it's, Incredible, man. It's, it's a great book. Actually, it's still on Amazon Charts, top 20 of all Amazon, and so is that one. So it's two of the 20. Yeah, right. Yeah. Not that we're uh, calculating hey, results hey. or success here. Yeah, but, you of know. course, <laughs> of course. And I didn't even sell it on Amazon. I sold it on Shopify. So all those wow. sales didn't count. But anyways, um, this book, the purpose of this book was to, once someone knows what they're going to sell, they ask the next question, which is, who do I sell it to? You need leads, right? And so uh, this book is about advertising. Now, I split test the title uh, four times to figure out what people like. I tried marketing versus advertising. I tried advertising versus leads. I tried, tried leads versus promotion. And leads uh, won as the categorical leader for what's the name of the book. And so that's why I called it $100 million leads. But advertising in and of itself is the process of making known. If no one knows about your stuff, no one can buy it. And so- Say that one more time. If no one knows about your stuff- Sorry, the first part. Advertising what? Is the process of making known is making, advertising the process of making known, period. If no one knows about your stuff, no one buys it, right? And so what happens is most people have an offer and no one knows about it. And so you have to make it known, you have to advertise it. And so um, this book, so the, the first book all hinged on something called the value equation, which is people talk about, hey, provide value, provide value, but how do you mechanize that? How do you operationalize value? And so it was actually solving a problem that people want, increasing the likelihood that they think it's going to happen. In other words, decreasing the risk that when they buy, they're not going to get the thing that they want, decreasing the time it takes them to get whatever the outcome is, and decreasing the effort and sacrifice that's associated, the work that they have to do in order to get the outcome. So those are the four variables. You decrease the last two, you increase the first two, and you have a more valuable thing, which we covered in a different, in a different video, so you can watch that one. <laughs> With $100 million leads, I talk about the advertising cycle. And so there's eight pieces to this. So it has a little bit more pieces to it, but I think it, it's simpler to understand in some ways. So the first four is a core four. It's the only four ways any person can let other, other people know about their stuff. 
advertise. And so it's just a four box. There's one-on-one and one-to-many, and you've got people who know you and people who don't. So if you're letting people who know you one-on-one, you are doing warm outreach. You reach out to your friends and say, hey, come to my book event. If you're letting people know one-on-one who don't know you, that's cold outreach. That's reaching out to strangers. If you're letting people know one-to-many, two people who know you, that's posting content. And if you're letting people one-to-many know who don't know you, that's running ads. So there's the only four things that you can do to let other people know about your stuff. Now, the natural question is, are there other things that you can do? The answer is yes and no. No, in that you can't do anything else. But yes, there are other people who can let people know about your stuff. Right. And so there's four, which I call the lead getters. So you've got customers who can send you referrals. Now, in order for them to send you referrals, they use the core four. They either reach out to friends, they post content, they do the same four things. So they're the only four ways a person can let other people know about stuff. The second is you've got employees, right? Like, so when I was making content for the book, I didn't actually make the content. My team made the content and then they posted it on my behalf. And so I got leverage on the amount of content I could put out because I had other people help me. From the paid ads, sorry, from, uh, from the lead getter number three is uh, agencies. So you can pay agencies to help you make content. You can pay agencies to help you run ads. And for me, for this book launch, I had agencies run the actual ads for the book right? because we're a holding company. We don't actually transact. So it made sense to contract that out. But my team made the ads, their team ran the ads, but it was still leverage. And then finally we had affiliates. So that's another business who refers you business. And just to find it for the audience. And they get a commission. Yeah. They get paid in money, free stuff or both. Right. And so uh, we had 27,000 affiliates. 27,000. And we had 104,000 people who attended from affiliates. We had 137,000 people. Cow. 137,000 people came in from paid ads. We had uh, just probably just like 210,000 people came in from content. Um, Organic. Yeah. And then uh, the outreach. Um, and then I would say that employees kind of factored into, into that piece, right? And so I used all eight methods in the book to advertise the book itself. So I could have just made a, I could have just emailed my list and just, you know, done a presentation or just released it. And I probably would have sold a lot of copies, but I wanted to use everything in the book to advertise the book, to demonstrate proof. that everything proof that everything that I do here works and that they, it'll work for them too, if they wow. just follow the steps in the book. And so I purposely followed the scripts that I have in the book for making ads. I followed the scripts that we had for making content throughout the whole thing so that people could look back at my ads. They could look back at the content that I made and be like, he followed this to a T and resulted in a, you know, world record breaking event. And so how much did you spend on the ads to get uh, the leads? 275. 275. Yeah. Which is not for anybody that sounds like a lot of money, but for the context of how big of an event this is, it's nothing. And then how much did you pay out affiliates, which is another form of advertising? How much does that pay out? I guess zero, zero. They got free stuff. How many people? 20,000? 27,000 affiliates. They didn't get any commissions. Correct. On nothing. Really? Why did they promote it then? What was the leverage or the, the value add for them? Thing is goodwill. Wow. And they also knew that the last book was good. And I'll, I'll give you the, the, the tactical piece of this is that most people require money to advertise to their audience because it's extracting goodwill to a degree. Mm-hmm. And so right. what I made, rather than saying, hey, the top 10 affiliates get Lamborghinis, which only benefits the affiliate, not their audience. I said, the top 10 affiliates, I'll do a live Q&A with your entire audience. Wow. And so it benefits the audience to have the person who's promoting it win, and it doesn't extract any goodwill. In fact, it, it builds goodwill because he's like, hey, I've got this amazing value. event. Yeah. This book, I, I know Alex, I've been following this stuff forever. It'll help you out. So go do this thing. And if we're in the top 10, 
we'll also get, you know, time with Alex and we can answer his question, you know, answer questions and do this stuff. So we can apply to us. So like, it's a win-win for everyone. And so trying to find, like, in my opinion, I talk about this in the book, like the best way to use affiliates is to find a win-win-win, which is it wins for me, it wins for them, and it wins for their Your customers. Interesting. Right? And usually it's only two wins and one loss. And that's how most people do affiliates is why they have to pay an arm and a leg in order to get them. Now, a lot of times also they haven't built trust or goodwill with an audience before making an ask. So I'd spent two years doing hopefully nothing but providing value. And everyone expected the launch event itself to be probably a pitch of some sort. And I tried to sprinkle that in because I wanted to build up the anticipation and the tension for the event. Um, but, you know, upon the events we had five, so the official count was we had 542,000 people wow. who, uh, who registered for the event. We had 180,000 click to join live with us. Um, and it was, uh, it was wild, right? How many and book sales in that first day, do you know? We sold 100,000 in like 10 minutes or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's insane, uh, dude. That's incredible. And that was with no large bundles. Wow. So that wasn't like buy a hundred, get this. It was like one, two, or three, maybe. Three was the largest one that was incentivized. Wow. Yeah. So I just said, if you buy three, you get a hat. And the main reason that I did that was because um, the whole mission of acquisition.com is to make real business education accessible to everyone. And so it's like, if you share my book with two friends, you've earned this hat. And so this can't be bought, only earned. And so you earn it by giving it. And we had 50% of people who chose to get three. That's incredible. Real quick, guys, if you can think about how you found this podcast, somebody probably tweeted it, told you about it, shared it on Instagram or something like that. The only way this grows is through word of mouth. And so I don't run ads. I don't do sponsorships. I don't sell anything. My only ask is that you continue to pay it forward to whoever showed you or however you found out about this podcast that you do the exact same thing. So if it was a review, if it was a post, if you do that, it would mean the world to me and you'll throw some good karma out there for another entrepreneur. And so- Was uh, there an upsell after that or how's mm -hmm. the- That was it. That was it, wow. The, I mean, if I if I had wanted to make money- Right, you do a coaching been, or I would have been else. a very- if, it would have been a very different, you know, I would have, I would have structured things very differently. Mm -hmm. But the objective of the event was to demonstrate that the concepts of this book work. And the objective of my last book was to show that making an amazing offer can grow the sales on its own. So that one I did zero advertising for and it sold 500,000 copies. Wow. None. No paid ads, no event. I had 10,000 followers on Instagram when I posted that. It was before Alex Ramosi became Alex Ramosi. It was literally an internal SOP that Layla encouraged me to post as a book. So I said, fine. And I added stories in it to make it interesting for my team. Because I was like, if they don't read it, it's not, not going to matter. So I added stories in it. And then I posted it as a book. And then, then it just continues to sell more month over month. And so that is the hope, you know, obviously with this book too, is that you make the product so exceptional that you get that, that, that lead getter bucket of customer telling other customers and affiliates telling other people. Um, and I think that the goal was if I, if I ask people to promote something and I say that it's going to be worth it, that I have to absolutely deliver on that so that next year or two years from now, if I say, hey, we promote my next book, they'll do it. Now, if I had gone and, and sold whatever, some you know coaching thing or something like that, right? That would have been the last time they would have promoted me because I would have been- For free. I, right. Yeah. I would have been siphoning their audience or whatever. Um, but I wanted to just install even more goodwill at scale by doing something that hopefully would be memorable and that no one else would do. And so I made uh, a huge pitching presentation uh, to stack all the value that I gave, you know, with this book. And I price angered it at $12,000. Then I started, uh, <laughs> you started dropping, dropping down. Um, and, and then, uh, I was like, it's free. And then everyone, you know, it became a much more memorable event. And then the after, book was free or what was the free? The book's free too. 
The book's free too. So the course is free. Uh, the book's free on my podcast. So on the game, I have, I actually also made my offers book free as well. Um, just because people are like, Alex makes his money on the $2 that the book costs. So I just, just to dispel the myths, uh, offers and $100 million leads are both on my podcast in sequence. You can just listen to them straight wow. through. But if you no, want it all together in a physical book, you got to pay for it. Yeah, if you want to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, if you, physical books cost money to print and ship. So it's right, right. That. But it was, but you otherwise can have people can get it for free on your podcast. Right. And we have to just. And the course is on my site with no opt in. You don't even have to opt in for it. You can just have it. And so what I will say this, this you might find this interesting, is that. It's always the scariest thing in terms of giving. Like giving is always scary, no matter how how much you have, whatever it is. Like if you work really hard on something, there's a part of you that wants to monetize it, right? It's just, it's innate to us, right? You want to yeah. get something back. And so that's why it's so hard to delay gratification for such a long period of time. But it's also what will make you stand out in a marketplace of takers. And so um, that was what I, I have consistently, I mean, I've preached this message of just give, 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 and you will be able to grow faster than you can imagine. And the event was probably the largest demonstration of that, that I could do. And what has now happened since then is, you know, we're number one in business on Spotify. We're, you know, we're 19 in all podcasts. Um, from doing that, we get a, you know, 150,000 unique views a day on my site. Wow. Because the course is free. It's huge. And so people share it. And that's the thing. And people share the podcast because they got value from it. And they know that they, you know, it's a $20 book, I think on Audible, Audible picks the prices for that. But like, it's, but because there's intrinsic value, people will share it. And I think it's, that's the thing is people give away free fluff that sucks because they spend no time on it. And then people consume it, realize it's junk and then associate that junk with the person. And then say, you have a junk brand because I've associated you with the one thing that I've consumed from you. And so despite the fact that, uh, your customer is only going to be 1% of the people that you ever advertise to or less, your reputation is made by the 99. Wow. And so if you want to control the True. reputation that you have, then you need to give away more stuff. And in a world where trust is going to continually decrease and the amount of information and content is going to only increase with AI and things like that, uh, I believe that personal brands and trust and authority are going to be increasingly important. I think that more companies will have celebrity partners uh, in order to gain trust because cost to acquire customers on paid ads has gone up 100% in a very short period of time. When you have, when you have CAC, so cost to acquire customer increasing at that rate, you have to have something that is going to counteract that. And that's what brand is. And so brand has never been more important than it is today. And I think will only increase in importance. And so this was a brand play. That's incredible. And so, yeah, we still, you know, we sold 190,000 copies so far. In oh, the first, what, week and a half, two weeks? Yeah, 10 days or 11 days, whatever. Wow, it's been. man. Yeah. 190,000, that's crazy, man. Yeah, with no with no thousand pack bundles. It's uh, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. It's inspiring. What are the, um, what are the, how many pieces of content do you put out a day on all social media platforms right now? We put 300 a week out. 300 a week. Yeah. And if you could go back to two years ago when you only had 10,000 followers yeah. to now you have 5 million yeah. on all platforms in two years, what would you say to your younger self, two years younger, about the path to getting here? The honest truth, I wouldn't say anything because I wouldn't want to mess anything up. Mm. It's the, like, that's the, the real, real. Do you think um, you can get there by posting less? Uh, no, I think the volume, the volume is, you know, quantity creates quality. Like you learn, you learn how to do things better by doing more of it. And so I've, I've wholeheartedly embraced that, that perspective when it comes to making content. Um, but I do believe that it's not just like, cause there are people who will post every single day and they get zero engagement, et cetera. You know, you're not learning from it. Right. You need feedback. 
you still need feedback. You need to take the feedback from the market. And ideally, you can also have feedback from people who know more than you. And so you use those two feedback mechanisms. And the faster you can make that feedback loop, the faster you'll learn and change your behavior and get better. Um, and so you want to do tons of volume with tons of feedback because the like quality is better than quantity, but you only get quality through quantity. And the only thing better than that is quantity with quality. Right. Then right? you really start to grow. Yeah. And then you then you get you get wild um, in terms of all the different platform distribution. Yeah, it's been a it's been a super fun ride. I'm very proud of the book. Yeah, it's great, I, man. Um, I know that there's nothing else that I could have done to make the book better at my current level, maybe in two years. Right. Um, I might have been able to. I wrote it, I did 19 drafts, I had four full rewrites. Um, I did six hours a day for two years. That's crazy. So I worked from I worked from six to noon uh, every day. On the book. On the book. Wow. And then, Unless uh, you were here doing the interview with me. Of course. And in the afternoons, my afternoons when I do my meetings and right, take right. calls and, and do the remainder of my actual job. <laughs> right. Uh, the only thing that I would add to this conversation right here, I'm sure there's a lot more, but the thing that's popping out for me is people could hear that and say, okay, you could keep working on this for another two more years until it's perfect. Because you said, I like what you said, is you put it out at, at the current level that you're at. You couldn't have done anything else the way you're at right now. Maybe in two to four years, you would have been like, ah, I could have changed this a little bit. But I think a lot of people get hung up on that. They wait, 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 wait. That's not ready yet. Yeah. And this isn't ready for yourself 10 years from now, right? It's it's not as good as it could be in yeah. 10 years writing it. Yeah. But it is as good as where it is right now yeah. for your current self. And I think people need to learn how to also ship quality with with what they can do it now yeah. and not just wait forever. I think a lot of people uh, hide under the guise of perfectionism when it's really just laziness and fear. So the reality is they're like, it's not ready yet, but they're working on it three hours a week. They're not going all no. in obsessing about no. it. So I mean, like, I, I think the whole, like, it's it's tension between two extremes, right? You've got the MVP, which means minimum, minimum viable product, ship it as fast as you can. If you are proud of your first product, it sucks, right? And on the other hand, you have, uh, you know, Apple that ships a new product every like three years or, you know, and they, they really only have four products and built a $3 trillion company. So where, you know, where on this continuum do you lie? And I think it's, it's learning the rights. It's honestly probably matching your personality to the work that you do, but regardless work has to be done. And so I can say this, it's like, if you work on something for six hours a day, every single day, and you truly work on it. When I say work, I mean, like you set a timer. And when the time, when you step away or you look at your phone, you stop the timer, when you use six hours of actual work on something every single day, um, you will know the things that you could do to make it better. And if you do all of those things, and the difference is, is being very clear on the problem definition. So that's, okay, so this might round out this whole conversation. If you're really clear about the problem that the product, if you're, if we're talking about making a product, is supposed to solve. And so... I could then, of course, write a whole book on sales, and I could write a whole book on, you know, monetization. I could like so. Then, then the scope would then change. So you have to be ruthless with the problem definition of the scope of whatever thing that you're trying to solve is. But then, within that very narrow line, is this everything I can do in this tiny little sliver? If it's everything that I can do, then you can ship it. And so I think that's the that like you're not going to create the everything solution. You're not going to create HubSpot CRM when you're a coder in your basement, but you can probably create an autoresponder that works exceptionally well. Mm -hmm. And so do that. Just do that. Don't add the other, do, just make that. One of my favorite stories about product iteration was Dragon Dictation. Do you know Dragon? Way back in the day, no. like 90s. Right. And so the, you, got a, you got a headset and you would talk and it would type. 
And this was like oh, yeah, had yeah, a yeah, CD, yes. the whole thing. I remember this now. And yep. they got uh, lauded, praised by like Tech Magazine or Crunch or whatever it is um, for Dragon 2.0. And in Dragon 2.0, they literally added zero new features. They just made it work better. And I think that is like the spirit of true product innovation is that a lot of people think they need more bells and whistles, but if you just fulfilled the first promise that you made and really did it and did it better, then you can make 10 times more money by doing something twice as well. Because it's just how much better, like if I said- More efficient, yeah. If I can, if I said I can get you customers, I don't need to also hire your staff. If I can just do that, I fulfilled my promise. And this book specifically only sits between somebody who doesn't know you exist and someone says they're interested in what you have to sell. That's it. As soon as someone says, I would like to find out more, that book is done. Everything that, that 280 pages is to get you from, I don't know who you are, to I'm interested to, buy, to find out more. I would, I would like to consider buying your stuff, which is why the subheadline is how to get strangers to want to buy your stuff, not to get them to buy your stuff. To buy your stuff is sales. Yeah, and that's the third book. Stay tuned for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they can get the book for free on your podcast. You yep. get a course on your site, acquisitions.com. Yeah. They can follow you everywhere, Hermosi. Yeah. If you love hard copies, you can go to shop.acquisition.com and grab a hard copy. I would get this. Get a few copies for sure. Um, uh, it's pretty, right? It's on. <laughs> where can they get the hard copy? It's on uh, Amazon too. It's yeah, it's on, on Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, uh, the I think I think paperbacks are on Amazon. Hardback. If you like hardbacks, uh, I have them. Yeah, I have them. Shop.acquisition.com. Shop.acquisition.com. I'm sure if you just yeah. go to the site, where I make see all my money, I'm all joking. your $2.99 in books. <laughs> exactly. Um, if people are business owners that are looking to be a part of your portfolio, I'm sure they can go to acquisition.com yep. and they can learn more and apply and, yeah. and see what's it's going a, on there. And business owners, it's just for for absolute clarity. It's really like if you're doing 2 million or more yeah. in, in profit. And we have actually narrowed our focus a little bit more to brick and mortar chains. So we've just we've just crushed all the brick and mortar chains that we have invested in. And so we are smart. We are at it's least also for what you know best of. You did brick and mortar. Yeah, I mean, we've, so you're speaking into it. We've done, we did gyms, you know, yeah. physical we've done location. photography studios, we were teeth whitening. We've like, like if you have like a, if you have like a health or a beauty, uh, I call them like body services, anything. Tanning like, salon. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Tattoo salon. removal, yeah. uh, laser skin, uh, hair removal, that kind of stuff. Like that is our, that Red is butter. our jam. There you go. Yeah, that is well, our jam. They'll reach out to you. They can message you. They can go on acquisition.com. Get a few copies of the book. I think this is really inspiring. I love this stuff. Uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of this for the last 10, 15 years on myself. And I went through this and I was like, oh, there's actually some stuff that I can really start to, start to apply even better. Even though I've, you know, mastered to a certain level, there's so many different things that I was pulling out from. And I was like, okay, cool. I can steal like an artist here, yeah. here, here, here. So Control X. Control. Yeah, I was like, this is really smart. Yeah, so... Um, it doesn't matter if you're a beginner or if you're, you know, got a big business, you're going to learn something from this. So make sure to get a few copies, give them to friends. I uh, can't wait for the next one. I can't wait to have you back on in the, in the future yeah. soon. Grateful for you, Alex. Thank you for being here. 